Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 76 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about post-marathon fueling and how to avoid gaining a lot of weight after your marathon cycle. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 76 hello ryan welcome back hello letty how have you been pretty good how about you good i think uh our listeners missed you last week where was i you were in some meeting i think oh Anyway, so we're pre-recording this uh, podcast too because right now we are going to be celebrating my birthday in Mexico at this very moment because uh, this episode's scheduled to come out on November 1st and I probably will already have eaten my cake at this time. <laughs> okay, Letty, what are we talking about today? Nutrition for runners. So what made you think of the topic Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, a lot of our listeners have messaged me in regards to that because they do like it when we have nutrition information on our podcast, probably because we always try to bring on a nutritionist and um, don't give them our own recipes. But so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the races happen, the fall races happened just right now. And then people go from running 60 miles a week and more to suddenly not running because they're recovering. And then it's that thing that happens to all of us, including myself. You hear me complaining about uh hopefully not gaining too much weight and trying to figure out where you stand. Obviously, we know if we eat more, then we gain weight. But how does that work out with our metabolism and what our body is used to burning? Is there a grace period? You know, all these questions that come into mind. Plus, you have Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up too. Yes. The typical, and you have colder weather. So people tend to be more sedate and tend to engorge on eating because you can hide underneath a sweater and in Florida. <laughs> and the reasons why maybe <laughs> lots of different ones, but that yes. is to hide under a sweater. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like when I'm living in colder temperatures, I automatically gain a couple of pounds because my body wants to continue to keep me warm. I have a bigger appetite. And oh, yeah, the appetite is another thing that I'm going to ask the nutritionist because I feel like when I was running those 60, 80 mile weeks, I was basically allowing myself to eat whatever I wanted. And then I got injured and went into taper and my appetite did not go away. It stayed basically the same. Um, and so, you know, how do you handle all that without the obvious, as we said, eating less than you burn? Yeah. You know, now kind of going back to electronics too, but like, you know, with watches and stuff, you can probably at least have a better understanding of what you're burning and how it's changing. So it might be a little easier than in the past, but. That's very true. That's very true. And uh, 
I have gotten a Garmin 4 runner watch, which gives me information all the time about fueling and body battery, sleep and, and all that fun stuff. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, like you said, there's no substitute to having somebody in your life that can help you with this more than a machine at this point, because I don't think we're at that level yet. Yeah, accuracy is not perfect. It would be nice if it was. Yes. So we're going to talk to Amy Shapiro. We've had her on the podcast before. She is a registered dietitian from New York, very well-informed and gives us really great advice that we're thankful for. So we're going to ask her the aforementioned questions and include some other questions about what certain foods help us recover best and help us, you know, stay in that range where we want to ideally stay. Anything else, Ryan, you think? I think that it's kind of relevant because a lot of the races got pushed to now, right? So a lot of people are going to be post-race, there may be several races, so they might want to take a break for a little bit. So it's kind of an, be an interesting topic to get a dietitian's opinion on how to you know, eat efficiently now that you're not running as much. Yes, absolutely. So without any further ado, we're now going to play our conversation with Amy Shapiro. All right, so I'm here with Amy Shapiro, nutritionist and registered dietitian. Amy, thank you and welcome back. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here again. Thank you. Yeah. If you, for our new listeners, could introduce yourself again briefly and just let us know how you became an expert in this area. Yep. So I'm Amy Shapiro. I'm a registered dietitian and I have a private practice based in New York City called Real Nutrition NYC. Um, my whole angle is really helping individuals create realistic nutrition plans that promote overall health and wellness in wherever they need to perform their best. So if it's, you know, um, general health, that's great. If it's recovering from or fueling up for any sporting event, you know, we do that too. It's really just optimal living. Um, in sustainable ways that you can really continue throughout your entire life. Because as we all know, fad diets don't work and healthy nutrition takes work, but we want to make it as easy as possible. So I've pretty much been doing this my whole life, um, even when I wasn't a professional at it. So um, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. And, and we can tell, and we've gotten some really great information from you. Uh, our running community is very thankful. So with that, I would like to roll into our topic of today, which is nutrition post-marathon and mainly also um, kind of winding down from a marathon cycle. So I want to start by asking you uh, perhaps to recap something we've talked about in episode 66, which was race day nutrition. Maybe you could go over briefly and let us know what we should and should not be doing when it comes to nutrition right after the marathon. Yeah. So I think, you know, right. It, as, as we've discussed before, so much of this is very individualized, but generally speaking, right after the marathon, most of the people or individuals who I work with are not very hungry, right? Your adrenaline is high. Your stomach is maybe, you know, having the aftermath of all those goos and things that you've been consuming, but it's really important that within those, you know, final 30 or the 30 minutes after you are finished with your run, um, that you refuel with easily digestible carbohydrates, you know, all the same things that you've been eating during the run, except not goose, but maybe, you know, some, um, a, some fruit or, you know, a bagel, um, white digestible carbohydrates, because your body is very open to accepting and absorbing this glucose, right? So we want quickly 
digested carbohydrates right after um, all the things that I would tell you not to eat in your regular life because <laughs> your body needs that glucose to build up its stores. And then what I always say is, you know, we want, we need sodium to help replenish what we've sweat out and water um, in those first 30 minutes. And then afterwards, I know many people celebrate with everything from alcohol to pasta, to pizza, to fried foods, um, you know, do your thing, you've earned it and you deserve it. But after that, we want to kind of look towards anti-inflammatory foods so we can recover quicker, you know, healthy fats, um, complex carbohydrates, lean proteins to help our muscles recover and to repair. So we want to, you know, take that moment to indulge, but then afterwards, we really want to pivot to a very clean plant forward, healthy diet to help our body recover. So we can keep doing what we love doing. And unless you are a one and done marathoner, who I'm, you know, uh, you want your body to stay strong, um, afterwards. Okay, perfect. Let me ask you a follow-up question, and it's kind of a controversial topic. Can you explain the difference between take anti-inflammatory and you mentioned eating anti-inflammatory foods? Because in last week's episode, we talked about how it's not a good idea to ice and take anti-inflammatory because they say that for your body to heal the muscles, you want the blood flow there. Right. So we do want some inflammation because inflammation helps to protect the body. Inflammation helps the body to recover, right? It, it happens as a, as a response to, um, you know, wear and tear. So we do want some of it because it brings blood flow to the body, right? It brings, you know, hydration to the body. So we do want some of it. What we want to do with food is with food, we can't really stamp out inflammation like an Advil or a Tylenol does. Food prevents inflammation long-term, right? So by eating high anti-inflammatory foods, it's preventing further inflammation, but it's also preventing systemic inflammation. So inflammation that happens in the body, you know, everything from your muscles to your bones, to your joints that happens over time. So we want to prevent that because that's what's going to, you know, bring on the wear and the tear and the aches and the pains moving forward. So we want to eat to help our bodies recover, right? So tart cherry juice or beet juice will help your muscles to flush out the extra lactic acid and to decrease the inflammation once it's happened in those spaces, but also to prevent further inflammation um, from occurring, which will prevent further um, healing. So if you're going to eat, you know, your one fun meal of whatever it might be, and then eat jelly beans and candy and, and chips and all these things, sugar and processed foods, these increase inflammation. So it's not going to maybe inflame your leg muscles any more than they were, but your whole system will be inflamed more and therefore you won't recover or perform as well as you could if you were following an anti-inflammatory diet. So we're gently supporting our body in decreasing inflammation that we have already um, undergone. And then we're also promoting no further inflammation by following healthy habits so we can recover quicker and then train or rest or move on to whatever else our next goal is. Perfect. Thank you for making that um, a little bit more clear for me. All right. So my next question would be, what should we eat the week following the marathon? Because I guess it takes about seven days and you can obviously correct me if that's not correct. It takes about seven days for your system to rehydrate and restore your glycogen levels. So what is important to eat for that week? So again, what I recommend eating for that week is, um, most, you know, high plant foods, well, we want to hydrate and we want to balance all of our, um, 
um, our electrolytes. So we can do that through foods, right? Because that happens, happens over time. So we have our electrolytes naturally happening in a lot of um, plant foods. So fruits and vegetables and whole grains and nuts and seeds, they're plentiful. So if we're eating a whole food diet, we're going to not only get the vitamins and antioxidants that will prevent inflammation, we're going to get the carbohydrates from these plants that will restore our glucose levels gently over time because they have carbohydrates. And then, um, plants also contain water, right? So I recommend eating a very high plant forward diet, variety of foods. So lots of different fruits and vegetables, you know, anything from salad to stews, to soups, to, um, um, you know, fruit, it, just more plant forward. And then what we also want to do is we want to eat healthy fats, right? So healthy fats also help to, um, fuel our body, keeps our joints moving, um, support our organs and our brain and our eyes, um, our central nervous system. Many fats such as avocado contain um, natural potassium um, and they also are anti-inflammatory. So eating cold water fish that has the omega-3s, having walnuts or flax seeds or chia seeds um, also have omega-3 fatty acids. Um, so eating enough fats is really good to help support the body and the system and the skin and the joints. Um, and then the lean protein we want to have as well, because we want that to help recover our muscles long-term um, and any, um, I want to call it like catabolism that has happened. You know, when you exercise or, or burn at such a high rate for such a long time, your body does have healing that it, it has to do over time. And it's not like you're going for a three mile run, you know, or lifting some weights, you really have um, put your body through um, a lot. So the protein will help us to synthesize new muscle regrowth. Um, and it's really the marriage of all of those, right? Looking at your perfect plate that will help you to refuel naturally exactly what you need over that week. So you're really just supporting your system gently through every meal. So I always say the easiest way to do this is if you look at your plate, half of your plate should be filled with fruits and vegetables at every meal. A quarter of your plate should be filled with complex carbohydrates. So anything from baked potatoes, sweet potato, winter squash, you know, whole grains, healthy breads. Um, and then the other quarter should be a lean protein of sorts. So it could be vegan based, you know, tofu, seitan, um, beans, it could be, you know, turkey, red meat, chicken, fish, um, and then enjoy all of that with a tablespoon or two of healthy fats. That's kind of my equation to how do you restore yourself over the but week, every single day. That's awesome. That, that makes it really easy as you just imagine that plate in front of you that helps it to divide it into those compartments. So thank you for that. So with that said, I want to roll into this big taboo question that nobody wants to talk about because I guess nowadays wanting to lose weight is associated with not having a great body image. But a lot of our runners do fall races and then we roll into the winter. If you live in a colder climate, you're likely winding down and not training for a January marathon. So your mileage will decrease. And with that, as we all know, the less you run, the less calories you burn. And then, you know, that goes hand in hand with not burning the sufficient calories to support your diet that you've been used to for the last couple of months. So perhaps right. you can talk to us a little bit about the science behind that. Is the weight gain instant or is it something that we slowly go to? Is there such, such a thing like an right. adjustment period? So, I mean, again, everybody's different. And I think, you know, it, you may feel a little bit puffier 
post, you know, that first week after, if your body is swollen and inflamed, or if you are indulging in foods, because it's almost like a reward, or you have your favorite post-marathon foods that you really want to enjoy and just want to kick back and relax for that first week. But your body's really burning at a high rate because also at that point, your body is recovering, right? So it has to heal itself. Um, and at this point, your, your, um, activity level, your, your burn, your metabolic burn might even be higher because your body is working really hard to repair itself, right? Your body just doesn't plop down and say like, Oh, we're just going to rest and not do anything for a while. Your body's working really hard to, um, you know, repair. So that's one thing. So I would really just give yourself that bye week and just let yourself recover and repair. You worked really hard. So if there is any weight gain, it's likely fluids, you know, um, water retention, water loss, you know, swelling and, you know, salt, uh, holding on to salt that you had lost. So I would ignore that first week, you know, or maybe don't even torture yourself. Why are you stepping on the scale? Right. Um, you really need yourself to recover. Moving forward, as you as you decrease your running mileage, you know, ideally, you all know this probably as athletes, you know, you don't want to just sit on your couch and do nothing. So you're likely transferring your activity level to something that's supportive of your running. So lighter runs, weight training, you know, body weight resistance training. So you are still burning calories, right? And you are still actively living. Um, so you do need to support your body with intake for that. I find that most of my clients who are um, athletes and marathon runners, their appetite changes, right? So the less that you're running, especially running, running does increase hunger for many individuals because you are burning through all your glucose and glycogen stores. So I find that when you reduce your mileage, your appetite will naturally reduce with that because you're just not burning as many calories in a day. So it's not that your body is used to a certain amount of calories. And even if you don't burn that many calories, it still wants that many calories. Mentally, you might want that many calories, right? Because you have uh, gotten used to that. But physically, your hunger signals will change because you just don't need as much energy to get through your day. The, the bottom line is food is energy, right? And we, we want to take in what we know we are burning. So it helps us to function at our highest level. So if you are continuing to eat the same calories you were eating when you were putting out 80 miles a week, your body will likely feel heavy and sluggish, and you won't be able to digest that much food appropriately if you're not working at that level. So one, your body will naturally um, decrease its hunger and its need for calories. Mentally, you may not, but that's you know the mental game that you need to play. So um, I would just say to eat to your hunger and to recognize you're putting out less energy you know, that you need to meet your energy goals. So if you taper your consumption to your output, then there should really be no weight change. However, with that being said, many of my marathon runners do put on weight while they're training for a marathon and then tend to lose the weight after, um, when they are, you know, in off season, because they don't require as many calories to sustain their, you know, exercise. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's something I'd heard of before too, that some runners, instead of losing weight while they are running and training for a marathon, they actually gain weight. Can you explain why that happens? Well, I think, you know, I do think that there's a mental shift where, where, you know, individuals feel that they deserve more calories because they are, um, running a lot. And we have to recognize that, you know, when you run, 
if you're running, you know, let's say three, four, seven miles for many people, that's not burning a ton of calories. But if you go and eat an enormous brunch afterwards, you easily eat back those calories, right? So it's like you burn the calories, you eat them, you hit maintenance. Um, so that's one where people overestimate how many calories they're burning and how much food they need if they're not experienced marathon runners. Um, and then the other piece is that you do need to eat to fuel your run. So you can't really skimp or go low carb or watch your fats or your protein or actually quote unquote diet if you want to perform well and, um, you know, not get injured or not, you know, hurt your metabolic rate. So um, people tend to eat more when they're training, they're hungrier, right? They may not be refueling with the right foods because they feel like, oh, well, I just ran 10 miles so I could totally eat that bagel. Um, I know many clients who used to end their long runs at Dunkin' Donuts and put down about six you know, donuts after their run because they were well-earned, which they were, of course, but they're not going to do wonders for your body. So I think that that's a piece um, you know, that comes into effect. People estimate, overestimate how many calories they burn. They're not educated on the right foods to eat, to refuel after a run. And they're hungrier because they're putting out a lot more energy. So when you cut back all of those things um, and you start to eat towards your hunger, you don't feel like you deserve as much many treats or as much food. Naturally, your body will let go of the weight that it has held on to. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay. So you gave us a tip to, and that's really great. And we don't do that enough nowadays is to listen to our bodies and listen to our hunger and see, you know, when we're hungry, but when it comes to specifically what we should eat, what we should uh, cut out of our diet, can you give us a little bit of information in regards to that? Because I know that when we're running, we have been told to consume more carbohydrates. So is that mainly what we should be cutting down or what are some other things that we should or should not be eating? Well, I think, you know, the simple carbohydrates that you're eating during your runs or maybe before your runs, you know, that give you fast energy. We don't need those as much if we're not, um, performing at that high of a level. So any instant goose or, um, um, bars that you may be eating that are calorically dense and, and, um, higher in sugar, those can really be reduced dramatically. Um, I think the size of overall meals can come down because again, your appetite is not going to be as large. So you don't need as much in, in sittings. Um, and I would say ideally, unless you are exercising or going for a run, which I know will not be 80 miles a week at this point, but still, I would really cut down on any um, added sugars for everybody, right? Added sugar is not good for anyone. Um, so I would cut down on added sugars and I would look for carbohydrates from complex sources. So again, that's going to be whole fruits, vegetables, you know, maybe smoothies, whole grains instead of white rice or even brown rice going for wild rice or going for quinoa or farro, you know, very rich in whole grains, um, whole grain breads and toasts, you know, avoiding the bagels, avoiding um, the baked goods um, and looking again for the whole food products. So I would really just cut down on the things that anybody should cut down on the processed you know, foods that you likely carry in your pocket, the bars that get you through long runs. And I would go more towards a, a slower paced um, whole foods diet. Um, that's really the change that I would make and, and to watch your overall portions. Um, because that at the end of the day, you know, if you're eating a balanced plate and you're eating what you need in terms of fuel, that will be supportive enough. But I would definitely get rid of the um, refined carbohydrates unless you are fueling up for, you know, a regular run that for many of you might be longer than for the average person. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. So 
With that, do you have any mental tricks that you share with your clients on how to make it through the day and staying on your diet? Yeah. So a lot of things is one, you know, don't call it a diet, right? It's a healthy lifestyle because diets don't work. You know, diets are trends and they're fads and they're harsh and they are, can be debilitating and they just are paired with, you know, negative connotations. So I would say, call it a lifestyle, right? So maybe it's your marathon lifestyle and then your recovery lifestyle, right? Like have your angles to it because both of them are playing optimally towards your health, your output, and, you know, your recovery and your performance. So I would look at it as your cycling um, healthy lifestyle. Um, and then what I do is, you know, make the first goal for all of my clients is to make sure you're meeting your water markers, right? If you're adequately hydrated, your energy stays up, your performance is up, you have no headaches, you don't get that three o'clock, you know, dip. Um, so I always say the goal ideally, and again, this is really individualized, but generally speaking, 80 to hundred ounces of water a day, right? And so that's wake up and at least have 12 ounces before you have your first cup of coffee um, and make sure that you're doing that consistently through the day. Because oftentimes when we confuse hunger when we're really just thirsty, right? Because your stomach is empty or you're thirsty of a headache and you feel low energy, but if you're adequately hydrated, those things will dissipate and therefore snacking and empty calories will likely dissipate with it. So one, we are always meeting our water goals and everybody rolls their eyes at me with that one because it's not new news, but I always say how many of you are doing it, right? Roll your eyes at me after you've adequately done it for two weeks and then tell me that it hasn't changed your life. Um, the other things that I say is, you know, again, don't skimp on meals. Don't try and skip meals, you know, skipping breakfast because it's an easy meal to skip so you can save calories for later doesn't work. So you really want to make sure that you're eating consistently throughout the day um, and that you're eating that perfect plate we talked about with half your plate full of vegetables, a quarter of it with lean protein, a quarter of it with complex carbohydrates cooked with a little bit of fat will really help you to stay full and balance your blood sugar levels between meals. So if you just have a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast because it's quick, in an hour, you're going to be starving. We need to add some chia seeds or some peanut butter to that oatmeal. We need to add some fresh fruit to that oatmeal. So we have the carbohydrate of the oatmeal paired with the hydration from the fruit paired with the protein and fat from the nuts or seeds that you're adding, right? So that's a perfect combination. So you eat, you know, you don't feel like you're chasing your hunger and eating all day. So Generally, I recommend, you know, breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner, maybe dessert for most people, but we want to give our bodies time to digest the meals that we ate, to feel satisfied from the meals that we ate. So we don't find ourselves snacking all day. Um, so that would be my second point is don't cut out meals. Don't skimp on meals, really eat to support your energy and your blood sugar, because ultimately you'll eat less throughout the day. Or the goal is not to eat less. The goal is to not overeat, right? Or eat more than your needs. So supporting your blood sugar, eating enough fiber, staying hydrated. These are all going to help you feel great um, on balanced plates. Um, and then another tip is, you know, have a cutoff window after dinner, you know, maybe you need like a sweet treat, many people, but then cut it off. And ideally we want to stop eating about two to three hours before we go to bed, but we're in like a constant eating society these days. You know, we sit on the couch after a long day and we want to eat popcorn or chips or have dessert with our kids or our spouse or our partners. And, you know, we don't need any more nutrition at that point, right? We've eaten all the nutrition we need ideally throughout the day. So that is what I call eating for sport. 
And we really want to just say, cool, if I want to eat popcorn, let me take a look at the clock. Ugh, I'm going to bed in an hour. Do I need this now? No. Do I want it? Yes. But let me have some tea or drink some water and I can eat it again tomorrow. Right. So it's not about not having, it's just about rephrasing. Well, I want popcorn, but maybe I'll have that as my snack tomorrow because I'm going to bed soon. I don't need more energy to sleep. You want to give your body two to three hours to digest before you go to bed. So your body can then spend sleep time recovering from your day and actually repairing and restoring itself instead of digesting. Um, so I think those are easy tools that most people can implement daily, right? Hydrate adequately, which will ultimately prevent excess snacking and low energy. Eat balanced meals will prom will promote energy, health, and uh, prevent excess hunger throughout the day. And then cut yourself off two to three hours before bed to, because those are usually excess calories that we don't need. We just want them. So that's going to be a real mind shift. And those would be like my three big points without getting too nitty gritty that everybody can apply um, and feel easily successful and supportive to themselves at the same time. Thank you, Amy. I'm so glad I asked that question. Those are some really great tips. So yeah, those are all my questions for today. I want to ask you to please let our runners know how they can find you on social media or personally if they need to contact you. Yes. So um, I can, well, my website is realnutritionnyc.com and I see my clients virtually um, outside of New York. In New York, I am seeing clients um, in person if requested. So um, I don't just work in New York City. Um, and then I'm most active on LinkedIn. And I don't know that link handle, but and on Instagram, which I'm simply at Real Nutrition. So fun tips and tricks and easy recipes and super honest lifestyle hacks, because I am living the chaos with you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Great. My pleasure. Always fun to talk about nutrition with you. All right, Amy, thanks again for coming on and providing us with this great information. We're super grateful and we'll try to implement these things into our own lives. So I hope you guys got a lot of great tips and knowledge out of this podcast. If you do like our episodes, it is my birthday today. So for my birthday, I'm going to ask you to leave us a positive reviews, positive people only. Um, <laughs> So, you know, just because it is my birthday, it helps other listeners find our podcast and it helps me celebrate this side hobby of mine that I've come to love so much. All right. So for next week's episode, hopefully we can get somebody on to speak with us in regards to the topic of how to qualify for a Boston Marathon. Hopefully we'll have some great tips for that by a running coach. And that's it, you guys. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.